Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. And as you might notice, Pete and Justin are both out tonight. But luckily, we have a guest co-host who is jumping in the breach here. Ladies and gentlemen, for the Vactorverse podcast, Vactor, thanks so much for coming, dude. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I can't wait to talk all things comics with you. This is the best place for it. Comic Book Club. Woo! Uh, I'm very excited to have you here. Uh, now, we'll do a little bit more of an intro in a second, um, but just a note, uh, wherever you're listening to this show, if you're watching live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, it's all good. If you're listening later on Spotify, not Stitcher, because I found out today that Stitcher is shutting down at the end of August. So if you're subscribed to our show through Stitcher, please don't do that anymore. You can go <laughs> literally anywhere else on the internet, any other podcast service, you can check out our podcast. But if you're listening on Stitcher right now, very important. Unsubscribe from that. Subscribe somewhere else. There you go. A uh, little bit of business at the top, I guess. But Factor, I we were going to have you on as a guest anyway before Justin and Pete totally ditched me tonight. So I was very <laughs> excited you're jumping in as a co-host. You had us on your podcast a couple of months back. Um, very, very briefly, just to let people know, what's your podcast about? I think they'll find the concept kind of similar. Yeah, um, I try to have comic book creators comic book content creators i should say on the show and talk to them about their canon event what they uh kind of got them into comic books and i'm also trying to expand it to include more star wars content because that's one of my passions so i'm trying to get more star wars content creators on but that's basically uh the gist of it well when we last talked again this was a couple of months ago across the spider-verse hadn't come out yet and i know you were very excited for that now that it's been out for a while what's what's your opinion how did it strike you did it live up to your expectations a hundred percent it is my favorite film of the year it i was blown away by the evolution from into the spider-verse to across the spider-verse and it was a little bittersweet because at the end of it i said there's no way beyond the Spider-Verse can top this. There's no way this this movie is so good. I cannot fathom them improving on it. So I was like, man, I, I, I really want to see the next one. But I also don't want to see it because I want to preserve my memory of Across the Spider-Verse as mm -hmm. this great piece of um, art. But yeah, that it blew me away. I, I could not have been more um, pleased with the, the results of it. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's probably not going to come down for a very long time. So you, you can sit with Excross the Spider-Verse <laughs> for a while. So you'll be good. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad it was good. Um, we'll talk a lot more about your show, but I do want to bring in our guest tonight. I'm very excited to chat with him. You might know him as Baby Daddy from Scissor Sisters, or for more recent comic book fans, you might know him as the writer of the awesome book, Nostalgia on Comixology. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Hoffman. Hello, Scott. Welcome. What's going on? How are you? Oh my gosh, very good because you are here now. I'm very excited to talk about Appreciate this book. That. We reviewed the first issue of the book on our Stack podcast and absolutely were blown away by it. Now the all five issues are out on Comixology and available. This is a wild book. I certainly have a lot of questions that I want to ask you about it, but do you want to Hope do Hope I can answer them. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. if anybody could, I feel like you could. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, I hope so. I probably know <laughs> yes. more than more than most. Yes. Uh, but what's what would you say the pitch of the book is? Um, the, the book is a is a dystopian sci fi kind of cyberpunk inspired story about a musician past his prime. Imagine you can't imagine where I got that idea from. <laughs> right. But, uh, uh, you know, a musician who's kind of looking back at his life, uh, reassessing um sort of how he how he did what he did is this sort of like uh this this superstar that used his memories as a type of technology uh to create music and share his memories and his life with his fans um and then it follows the story of him later in life um some kind of shady characters popping around and uh uh you know a revolutionary group getting him into trouble and uh, you know, goes from his past and all kinds of stuff pops up. One of the things that I really loved about this book, and I mean, I know you just touched on this a bit, but everybody talks about, oh, music could change the world. But in this book, this guy literally changes the entire world with music. I assume that's at least part of what you started with, right? Is sort of the germ of the idea? Or did that come to you later? Yeah, well, I, I don't, I think when we talk about music changing the world, I don't think it's a huge exaggeration or really even like a huge sci-fi concept to think about how impactful music can be on our lives and how impactful music can be on culture. I think um, it just depends what your vantage point is, right? Like when I was uh, 15 years old, like hiding in my bedroom with like a, a, a what would it have been like an Alice in Chains cassette tape, you know, playing it on repeat. That was everything that existed in my world at the time. And it really did kind of shape who I was, you know, whether it was at different times, you know, hair metal or Nine Inch Nails or Radiohead or whatever phase I was in at that time, that really was the center of my universe, especially in pre-internet days when I didn't have access to a million things. So yeah, I, I do think that was important to me. But actually, I, I would say if you want to talk about like the impetus of this book, like what what the seed of this was, um, I'm really interested in the idea of memory mm -hmm. and about what music can do to... Um, bring us into kind of different states of consciousness, but also to transfer our experiences, our consciousness to someone else. Um, it's a very visceral, as I say, maybe technology, even music itself, that allows us to um, share our experiences with someone else in a really uh, sort of profound and like primal way. That's interesting. I mean, uh not to get too philosophical about it, but I guess you've oh, already gone there, yeah. so it's yeah. all good. Um, so your feeling is that almost quite literally when you are creating or you're playing music, you're connecting 
with the other person? I mean, you tell me. Yeah, I, I mean, that's how, that's how I feel. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I hope I'm right about that. I think other people have probably, you know, can probably relate to this. So I think what sci-fi does really well is uh, is take a philosophical concept like that and, and, and make it into something real that is only something we can really imagine. So what if this idea of what I really do think music do is does is taken more literally um, mm -hmm. and we have an example of direct memory uh, uh, sharing and experience sharing with people. Hmm. Why, why this particular type of musician? Because I think people would expect in a certain way, they'd be like, Oh, it's, it's the scissor sisters. That's the scissor yeah. sisters are there, but it's not, it's, I don't know. It's not exactly like a David Bowie X, though. There's some of that imagery in there a little bit. Who were you pulling on in particular and why go in that direction, at least in terms of the main character? I think I was inspired by the idea of kind of like, I don't know if it direct, directly links more into my past as a music fan, because um, I don't know if the references were as as important to me as some other musical references in my life, but I really thought about the sort of loneliest, most um, codependent maybe type of music genres that were that are out there and especially that were out there as inspirations to me. And I don't know if codependent's the word, but if you know what I mean, there's... There, you think about the sort of gothy genres and the sort of uh, the the sort of like you know dark eighties synth, uh, uh, synth uh, you know new wave synth music that was kind of like at least the people I knew and and in those moments that I really loved that music it felt very singular like I was I was really um, my my saddest thoughts and my sort of loneliness was just projected right back at me from these from these artists. Um, it was a little more emotional than disco, I could say, which, you know, not to diminish disco, but, you know, it's a different feeling. Right. And dystopia to me is more is is kind of more of a, a kind of gothy sentiment. I learned him a little goth. Hmm. Uh, we got a comment here from Stray Bullet who says, if Sid Vicious and David Bowie had a child, it would be <laughs> the guy on the cover. Uh, do you feel like that kind of encapsulates it a little bit? It's funny. I didn't really think about Sid Vicious because, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much, too much uh, spoiler in this. But I think Sid Vicious, and and I love this. I think that's really interesting, and I I, I think what anyone uh, pulls from it is is just as correct as what I have to say. But to me, Sid Vicious was sort of our antagonist in the book's uh, uh, philosophy. I think the idea with the character Craig, who goes by nostalgia, I think his his real. Uh, uh, reason to exist and his sort of philosophy is that he's a revolutionary guy that sort of has a, a, a sense of purpose and a sense of uh, 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 responsibility to the world. And I think the punk rock ethic may have been about anarchy and destruction. Mm -hmm. um, so he's maybe in between those things. Bowie was definitely there. Um but, uh, you know, there was just like a little, it was almost like the nihilism was turned inward. That's the stuff I was thinking about. Not the sort of outward anarchy, but, but um, you know, the sort of like nihilism of the Depeche Mode or uh, 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 Nine Inch Nails, another one I just mm. was obsessed with as a young, younger person. Uh this is from Martin Costanzo says great CBD doing an amazing job as a writer. He is really talented, which is a lovely Very statement. Uh, I was curious what, what made you turn to writing and comic book writing in particular? What drew you to that? It's a funny one. Uh, Jake and I, Jake, Jake was my uh, partner in creating the band. Uh, we both were studying 
uh, creative writing in our in our college years. Um, Jake Jake was in a program. I was in a program along with my English major, um, and we were like voracious readers. Some comics. I was a little more into comics than he was, um, but a lot of fiction, a lot of genre fiction, a lot of horror, a lot of weird. Um, if you want to talk about like the sort of genre of weird fiction, um, mm -hmm. that's sort of a, a thing, capital W weird, or like, um, or a bit of sci-fi, which was more me than him, but we were trading books back and forth. We were always talking about uh, the stuff we loved. And I think in a way, Scissor Sisters was a, a storytelling world building venture. Um, we kind of almost jokingly said that to ourselves, that wouldn't it be fun if we had like, you know, we're not we're not just Scissor Sisters. Everyone who wants to be a part of this, they're all Scissor Sisters. We're all Scissor mm -hmm. Sisters. It's a whole thing, and you could be a part of this world. And you know, it, it, you know, it's a place where you can kind of feel like comfortable or feel feel like uh, uh, you belong. So there was a world building and a kind of storytelling aspect, and especially especially with the lyrics, which were more Jake's. Um, there were a lot of stories being told and a lot of fantasy in those stories. So it felt natural. And then I was like, Oh, I had wanted to be a writer. Jake had wanted to be a writer. He's now written a memoir and plans to write fiction, I believe. Um, and like the band was like a detour and I wanted to mm -hmm. also write books. So I don't know if that answers. Yeah, I think so. That that's for, a for that's Martin a... or sorry, whoever that. Yeah, was. Martin. Yeah, uh, that's a big detour that you took for a while, then, I guess, <laughs> yeah. to finally make your way into the comic book industry. Twelve year, twelve year detour, and then um, you know another eight years post band making music for other people and working yeah. on TV shows. You hear like a that. lot of pop stars these days do that. Like they get into pop stars specifically so that they can uh, write comic books. Eventually, is what they're heading. Uh, it seems to be a pattern. I, I mean, a little uh, bit. I, you know, I'm joking. Yeah. No, it, it like there, there's a few out there. I was actually a little worried. No, but you look at like I actually had this funny moment where I was like, I want to read more comics about rock stars, right? Like, is there a genre? Are there are there you know stories out there? Is it just Dazzler, or is it like there are there are other other things I can sort of look at? And I accidentally got a list of people in rock and roll making comics, and I looked down this list. And I was like, oh my god, there's like tons of like <laughs> Courtney Love had a comic and. um you know, the guy from Rage Against Machine had a comic and all this stuff. I was like, oh, God, am I just like another one in line? I know you're joking again, but it was like, is this is this vanity project, you know, take take 37 here. But well, uh, I think and maybe that, maybe it was. No, I don't think it was. And I, I'm not just saying this because you're the guest like we on the show. I don't want to totally speak for Pete and Justin because they're not there. In fact, I don't know if you have the same reaction, but often when you see somebody who has some sort of celebrity status in a book, you're like, all right, prove it to me. You know, you right. cross yeah, your arms sure. a little bit and get ready for it. But th this is a comic first. Like, that's one of the big uh, stepping stones that I think you need to get across. And the fact that it is so visual and you are experimenting with so many visual ideas and the way that... Uh, the book visually represents music as well. There's many different layers and paths to the story that we haven't talked about. I was very surprised and very impressed by it. So I um, appreciate so good, that. Good job. Thank you. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the form. And when I decided to kind of start with comics, I will say um, uh, I was talked into it. Uh, when I first started a few years ago at the beginning of the pandemic by my friend, Phil Jimenez, who I don't know if he's been on the show before, but yes, I'm yeah. sure you know his work. And, um, he was just a friend of mine for years from New York through mutual friends. And he said, would you join this writing group if we decide to do this? So, so what I got from him was, uh, not a lot of fluffy feedback, a lot of, uh, honest feedback, but also 
I had a lot of questions about how comics work from the inside, a lot about process, a lot about scripting, a lot about um, how you actually organize this mm. whole thing. And I did a lot of studying. I, I, I read a lot. I, uh, I kind of broke things down a lot to try to figure this out. I I love to hear that because I do think oftentimes this isn't just people with celebrity backgrounds, but just regular people jump and they're like, well, I, I've read a comic or two. I could write a comic. That's easy. But it's a serious skill. So the fact that you spent the time to really teach yourself and learn that, I think that's very cool. And obviously, yeah. Phil Jimenez is probably a pretty good teacher or aid in this process as well. It's a it's a natural uh, uh uh, I don't know. It's a natural way for him to sort of exist as a sort of teacher, but also he, you know, he does professionally teach uh, mm -hmm. uh, comic art and writing as well, and he's he's got the credentials to to back it up. Yeah, uh, I am curious though. On the opposite direction, this is still your first comic. So, what mistakes did you make? What what was something that happened with the first issue that you're like, oh, whoops, and then maybe pivoted a little bit for the next couple well if you're willing to talk again in a few months or in a year or whatever i'll have my next book out and that's actually the first one i wrote they were uh, uh released okay. in reverse order i was like an old pro by this one i mean okay. I, I wasn't really but i do make all kinds of mistakes i think um uh uh i there were a lot of rewrites of this one a lot of very bad ideas that came into trying to because uh, my thing is vibe my thing is i love there was a uh Sorry, I'm going to segue a little bit, but there's like a there's like a Grant Morrison uh, Invisibles uh, uh, collected edition that has you know extra material in the back, and there's a really cool letter. I think it might be in the first first or second volume. That's his pitch to DC for Invisibles, which is just as crazy as you might imagine it is. But he's basically <laughs> like, it's about this and it's about this and this happens, but really, I just want a comic to talk about all the shit I love to talk about. That's mm -hmm. what I want Invisibles to be. I want it to be the things that are on my mind now, and everything else is there because it has to be there. And I kind of like felt that way a little bit about this in the beginning. So the plot structuring was really hard for me, and I think I lot of, made a lot of mistakes there. Um, and even dialogue is tough for me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a you know, I'm not an A plus person at dialogue, but one thing I realized I could do is create atmosphere. And when I'm in his head, I'm comfortable mm. with that voice and I'm comfortable um, with inner voice. So the rest of it, yeah, I think it's full of mistakes. I think it's like, uh, it's, I'm, I'm learning, but their mistakes are also like really beautiful to me. And I look back at uh, my band's music and some of our best moments were mistakes where we didn't know the rules mm. and, uh, and lucked into some weird things yeah i love that too yeah. uh I, oh vector you look like you want to ask a question yeah, i was gonna yeah say sorry that... with vector <laughs> no, no that's fine vector's being yeah. very polite i understand <laughs> yeah, that you're new yeah, to the yeah. show but go ahead yeah. ask a question and i talk and i just just cut me off because i never <laughs> stop talking no worries i was going to ask you um so like you said this was your second one so it, it came out very polished like it felt like this was a professional like you've been doing it for years so kudos number one for Appreciate just that. the work that you put in on nostalgia but i was going to ask you for your thoughts kind of on the dystopian and the future aspect of it do you feel like with certain artistic ventures whether it's movies or you know whatever video games comic books the dystopian future is it more a cautionary tale of hey this is the way it could go this is the way that 
our technology is leading us or is it more um, a promise of the future of, hey, this is the tech that's going to be so good in, in this aspect. How do you kind of look at the future and the dystopian elements of it, cyberpunk and all that? That's that's great. Um, I, I um, It's a tough one because I wrote this at the beginning of the pandemic mm. uh, or in the first year of the pandemic and a lot, the world was changing a lot, but the world changed right. also a lot since the time that I wrote it. And accuracy of the future kind of really started to bother me and it started i started to wonder if i needed to change uh plot points right up until the last minute i had this whole idea of these consoles who are the the sort of like eastern block you know it's the it's it's china it's russia it's all these things we have the ukrainian uh 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 gazillionaire who's kind of you know running his own revolutionary thing and then and then everything happens with Russia and Ukraine. And then I'm like, oh, do I have to rethink this? And then I just started thought, thought about the whole philosophy of what future is in a book. And I just sort of went back to that kind of, you know, this is, this is definitely a, a philosophy I'm, I'm sort of cogn cog cognizant of in sci-fi is that sci-fi is really about the moment that we're in more than uh, what we think that moment will be. I didn't want this to feel like a crystal ball. I didn't want to feel like I was trying to make... Um, these sort of uh, uh, long-term predictions about where we were going to be. I just wanted to make a world that felt only slightly off from ours right now. And that was just something that exists there as a tool for me to write a story hmm. um, because I'm going to get it wrong no matter what. It's just right. going to look, it's going to look wrong <laughs> in 20 years. So right. kind of take that, take that into account. And to me, it's a setting I love. It's a setting that I have a certain amount of nostalgia for. Um, so to speak. And, you know, and, and that's where I wanted it to be, but I also wanted it to feel just like that moment I was in sitting in my house, thinking about the world falling apart, which mm -hmm. everyone probably feels in the moment that they're living in. And uh, that's what the future was for me. It was, it was now, it's just a, an extreme version of now. Mm. Uh, I wanted to ask you one that's sort of like a perennial question that I always am very interested in whenever we're talking about comic books that involve music. You're probably aware of this, but comic books don't have sound to them. You know, like yeah, they have a lot I've, of things. I've heard, I've heard yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> but they don't have that. And, and it's always fascinating to me how people try to depict music in different ways on the comic book page. I'm sure at least a little bit of this, if not a lot of bit of this, was up to the artist that you're working with. But... What what was your take there? What was important in terms of visually representing audio on the still mm -hmm. comic book page? Um, another great question. I, I had a couple great editors on this book, and I should say with every compliment you give, I was lifted up by this incredible artist, Daniel Jajay, with uh, the colorist Lilu Ridge, with the letterer Steve Wands, and my two editors who are uh, DC and Vertigo uh, 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 legends, uh, Will Dennis and Greg Lockhart. Um, Greg specifically was a big fan of this book, but also gave me the warning at the beginning. I mean, when we were starting this, he was a fan of the script and he said, comics with music rarely work. This is a, this is a philosophy we've had, uh, over at Vertigo, at least for a long time. And it's a very tough thing to pull off because as you said, you can't hear what's going on. So in my mind, I wanted the music to serve as a metaphor. I wanted it to simply serve as an ex experience, as something that is represented with words um, and imagery and has to be imagined and is probably unimaginable, is probably so far into the future that we couldn't conceptualize how this would feel. 
Um, also something I, I mentioned specifically in the, in the book is um, our, uh, our, our hero sort of says in a moment, you know, I was making, you know, I, the only way to really think about this music is in small moments of infinite possibilities. So this was music that was constantly changing, constantly uh, 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 metamorphosing, I think is the word, but like it, uh, I decided to present it more in this sort of cyber cyberpunk fashion in that it was like uh, computer code. So I sort of wrote the lyrics more as a bit like computer code that could be seen as instructions for the music more than uh, a representation of what the lyrics were themselves. Hmm. Well, that's I definitely interesting. Thought, yeah. Oh, oh, go oh ahead, sorry Dr. to cut you off, Alex. No, that's um, great. I've seen it in so many different comics where sometimes like, you think about like Scott Pilgrim, you'll see like sheet music or something. It'll be like, hey, this is the actual song. This is the, right. like, if you can read sheet music, this is what it sounds like. I've sure. seen people before... Uh, I think it was like phonogram, uh, phonograph, where it was like, this is our playlist. So listen to this while you're reading the comic. Mm -hmm. So I've mm -hmm. seen different approaches like that. And that is. Uh, I think Youth for the Comicsology book actually did that as well. So there's like oh, each yes. chapter has like sort of a song. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. I was thinking in terms of uh, uh, what if we can never hear this? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was actually asked the question, well, you know, what did you, did you want to make music to go along with it? And. I'd love to hear what someone else uh, imagines that music to sound like. But to me, the magic in it is that it's always going to, I'm always going to be able to imagine that in a way that's better than the reality right. would be. Right. Uh, we got a nice comment here from Starpad says, was blown away from nostalgia. Can't wait to see what BD has to offer going forward. There was huge ambition for a debut project. Now, I know that you have a earlier project that's going to come out next. Is there anything that you can tease about or talk about with that, or is it too early for that? Uh, no, I mean, th th there's been a, there's been a couple teases. IGN did a, a mm -hmm. tease of a few little, a uh, few pages there and a bit of the theme. And um, they were, it was a funny kind of pairing uh, because it's another dystopian book, but it's, um, and thank you by the way, for those comments, but um, I, I should have said that to begin with, but uh, the, uh, it's, it's the, the new book, you're okay. Yeah. I, no, 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 no. I'm always yeah. thankful. But uh, the, the new book is called wag and it's about uh, it's about another fear I had during the pandemic and uh, recent times, which um, varied a little from the sort of fear of loneliness that nostalgia may be, or the fear of uh, looking back at your past and maybe thinking that it wasn't exactly what you, uh, what you thought it was. Uh, there's a million things there, but this one was uh, the fear of of uh, mental illness and what happens when the pills are gone. And um, I know I've I've heard since I've talked about this with people that other people sort of share this uh, share this fear, this worry that what would happen to the world. But these things that we take for granted, I love the idea of of, of taking on tropes in not just science fiction, but genre. And I've, I've written, a, I actually have a ton of scripts that I still am, you know, hoping to get made into, into books. But um, this was specifically to me, another take on a very common trope, which, you know, if the last one was cyberpunk, this is sort of our Mad Max uh, uh, post-apocalyptic world, but in, in the mind and, and what happens when someone who uh, might hear voices in their head, uh, has no way to do anything about this and where this would lead them. Uh, so now you were, were you were down in San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend, right? That's right. That's the, yeah. Correct. How does the crowd at a Comic-Con compare to the crowd at a Scissor Sisters show? 
Well, <laughs> don't get me in trouble here. I'm always I'm always told to temper my expectations in the on the on the amount of people that may be there. I mean, literally with my band in our in our best days, we're playing to stadiums full yeah. of people. It's a smaller industry. It's a smaller fan base. Not to say it's a. It, I think it's a. In, in a way, it's a really friendly fan base that is uh, super engaged. Super engaged. So to me. Um, I love the idea of the accessibility that I felt that if someone is, it wants to talk about the books, I felt this a lot at WonderCon as well. Like they'll just come up, ask you questions. Um, they seem really well read on what, <laughs> what I'm, I'm putting out there. And, you know, a lot of times I'm not saying our, our Scissors Sisters fans weren't deep fans, but sometimes you go to a concert just to, just to have fun and hear music. And it's just a different kind of experience. You know that the people coming to these cons are really in love with, with comic books and do you to cool about bring it. it back to what we were talking about earlier do you at all feel that same sort of connection between the creator and the audience from comic books that you felt from music or is it too much of a different medium no i have to say i, I found that really interesting because when i i knew a lot of comics from my past but i did not follow the creators in any uh meaningful way way i mean i knew i knew of neil gaiman i knew of you know a bit about Grant Morrison, although I didn't know a lot about Grant. But um, uh, with music, I would always deep dive, and I would always really know the personalities. And you go to the show, you see them. Um, something really cool about comics that, that attracted me to comics, and also to to um, prose writing as well, was the ability for um, the stars, the talent creators, whatever, to to take a back seat. Mm. Um, and I really admire that about the. Uh, about the medium i do think there are a lot of people within the comics world that wish it wasn't that way and wish they were rock stars to some degree mm -hmm. but um it's so freeing to me to just say like people might are most likely going to judge me on this book mm -hmm. alone and not what i say over social media and that's just yeah. not true in in the music world yeah hmm. uh so just to kind of wrap things up here nostalgia all five no issues. i'm sorry no, no, no. <laughs> uh, nostalgia all five issues you can get them on comicsology now is this uh, i know some comicsology books get collected at dark horse and other publishers is that going to happen with this as well uh, i believe everything so far has gone through dark horse okay. um let's just let's just say like fingers crossed um because right. nothing really to announce yet but uh it will be collected i believe early to mid next year. I don't have a date on that yet, but a really cool collection with some extra stuff, um, some, you know, some cool uh, script stuff and drawings and stuff like that. Um, and then a physical will come next year as well. Um, and then onto WAG, which will do the same process. And I believe Comixology um, for any books that are uh, serialized has the, has the same process. They always end up collected. It will be a digital collection first. Um, awesome. And the spiel being that uh, if you have Amazon Prime, Comixology Unlimited or Kindle Unlimited, it is free. Just go on the site, download it or download it on your Kindle app or uh, read it on your Comixology app, whatever you want. And for now, you got to do the issues. I'm, I'm not a floppies guy. I wait for collecteds myself, mm -hmm. so I don't blame anyone for waiting. But um, yeah, it's, it's all five issues available. And are you, it seems like you're in it to win it now in terms of comic books. Like you've got nostalgia, you got WAG coming up. Are you planning on doing more? Are you sticking with this? Oh, yeah. No, I've, uh, I've uh, I think, eight more finished scripts. And I just want to 
go. I just want to uh, go. Yeah. Awesome. Um, still writing. I'm probably, you know, like sick of those and excited about this new one I'm writing and like is what it is. But, you know, I have to say Phil, Phil Jimenez, mentor Phil really opened the floodgates for me. He kind of showed me the way and I was like, oh, wow, I think I get it. I mean, I had to figure out how to throw everything onto spreadsheets and organize myself. Like, you know, I'm doing, I'm on a crime scene doing like the red, you know, the red <laughs> string all over everything. But I think I have a, you know, I have a kind of form that I use now and it's been really fun and I'm just like, I'm going. So yes, I would love more books out. Um, if anyone wants to draw any of my books, let me know. Cause, uh, uh, you I should get you for. should get uh phil jimenez is a very good artist you should we've get. talked about it a lot phil uh keeps himself busy yeah. uh we definitely we definitely uh uh discussed a couple projects there's a script that he is begging for me to do which i i, I mean it's a, an absolute yes mm -hmm. from me um but it's also 300 pages and <laughs> okay. uh, he he draws the most detail detailed oh, yeah. work you've ever seen and it takes him a minute so you know i'd rather him go to someone that's just gonna pay him a bunch of money like oh, no you gotta lock him up you gotta get him get him to do it love to see i him. know i'd love it i would love it yeah hopefully yeah. there'll be some sort of collaboration yeah all right well fingers crossed scott thank yeah. you so much for coming on absolute pleasure congratulations on all the success and uh hopefully we'll have you back on to talk about web yes i would love to thank you for having me and thank you for the wonderful review back uh back a couple months ago really appreciate it mental oh, i i listened Ah, oh, thank you for listening. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you Absolutely. so much for coming on, Scott. Thank you. Have a good night. Be good. Bye. Take care. All right. There we go. Once again, the book is called Nostalgia. It is out now from Comixology, all five issues by Scott Hoffman. Like I said, if you got a Prime membership, you can get it totally free right now. If you don't have a Prime membership, you can still get it. You can still get the book and head over there, um, probably by getting a Prime membership. But I don't know. I don't work for Amazon. Don't ask me these questions. All right. Uh, uh, I was going to say, I actually yeah, yeah, got please. it um, with Comixology. I was surprised because oh, okay. I'm one of those dummies that subscribes to all three, Amazon Prime, Kindle Unlimited, and Comixology Unlimited. <laughs> So it was just there. I just opened up my Kindle and it was there. And I was like, whoa. So. Amazing. Yeah. It's the sort of thing like legitimately, I don't want to promise this, but this is definitely true. If all of you, if you take a break from listening to the show, walk to your front door, open it up. It's there. Nostalgia is there right now outside <laughs> of your door. It's everywhere, baby. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. <laughs> um, all right. 
We're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question about absolutely anything. Could be comic books, could be films, could be TV, could be movies, could be love advice, if you want, in the comments on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Can't do that on Twitter, because Twitter is bad now. But... Uh, before we get into it, we usually talk about, at this point of the show, what we're drinking. Uh, Vactor, I don't think you're drinking anything, but we did have our Brett Macris, Stray Bullet, our CBC chef. He curates a drink every week. This week, he curated just grab your favorite beer. That's all. That's all he did. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I grabbed a, I grabbed a, what did I grab? A Lagunitas Hazy Wonder IPA, which, very nice, very light, definitely recommend it. So there you go. Nice. Um, all right, what do, it's what 117 we... here. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah, in Arizona, we're in a heat wave. It's been like the most consecutive days, whatever. It's been very hot over here, so I am uh sweating at the moment, even though I got the wait. I have there. to ask you something. I should have looked into this, yes. but this was one of those things that I saw on the internet. I was like, oh my god, I should check if that's true, and then never did. I read something that the sidewalk is so hot, people have been getting third-degree burns in Arizona dying. Is this true in I haven't, any way? I haven't seen that, but I've seen people cooking eggs on the sidewalk um, just to see if oh, they could do it. Gross. But I haven't seen anybody okay. getting burned or uh, dying, but that's not great if, if that's happening. Do they eat the eggs afterwards? I don't think so. I think it's just for TikTok, just for the okay. gram. I don't, I don't think they're actually eating them, but... It has been sweltering. And it's normally hot anyways in July in Arizona, but this year it is super hot. It is Oof. mega hot. What? I have an audience question for you. Why do you live there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it goes back way back to um, my family. My uh, brother and sister went to college here, and they just kind of stayed here. I hmm. was, after touring the globe, my dad was in the Air Force, so we were kind of all over the place, I said, where where would I land? And, oh, my brother's here, my sister's here, I'm going to go to Arizona. And then once I got here, I was like, man, there's comic shops everywhere, there's all kind of stuff to do. So the heat is the one downside. Everything else is mm. great. There we go. All right, glad to hear it. Uh, we've got a couple of questions here, so why don't we jump into them? Woo. This one I'm going to assume is for Scott, uh, but I'll throw it out to us anyway. Uh, Martin Costanzo says, as an amateur writer, what advice can you give to us? Um, uh, I, I certainly have some advice that I could give, but Vactor, is there anything you can throw out advice that you might give to an amateur writer? If I was uh, giving advice to a writer, which I have no business doing because I have no <laughs> experience writing, I would just say the advice that I've heard all the time Write what you know. Mm -hmm. That's always a good one. I would say there's a couple of things that I always usually tell to one uh, young writers. The first thing is write, which I know sounds stupid, but this is something I used to teach sketch comedy writing in particular, but mm -hmm. I, I've told the same thing. Like I manage writers at my job journalist uh, for journalistic purposes and I've given advice there and stuff, but people are always like, who? how do I break into the industry? You know, the last week specifically with journalism, how do I break into journalism? And what I always like to tell them is you just got to write stuff. You know, you, mm -hmm. you got to write whatever you can in whatever genre, in every place you can, whatever you can do. I always caution everybody and say the most important thing is 
get paid for it, you know, whatever, <laughs> like you are worth something, even at the beginning, your time is worth something. And there's too many places that'll say, oh, I'll pay you with exposure. Oh, we'll pay you with a piece of the ad revenue on the back end. They're never going to pay you. You're never going to get anything off of that. So get paid what you're worth. Might be low. That's fine. But get paid something. But just write stuff. You know, I, this is very much based on my experience, but when I decided to go freelance writing, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a freelance writer. What does that mean? I don't know what that meant. <laughs> and so I answered every ad that I could at Craigslist at the time and picked up jobs whenever people got them to me. I did everything from like writing blog posts to punching up people's resumes, again, as long as they paid me. For a while, I worked at, I don't know if you remember, Nerve.com, a dating site. They had a sex blog, uh, which was mostly, frankly, about testing sex toys. I was the product <laughs> tester for everything else that wasn't sex toys, which oh, okay. is not my area of expertise at all. But <laughs> at least I was like, okay, I'm figuring out how to write short and punchy, get things in a deadline, try to be reliable, try to be factual, all of these things that I'm learning. And in the meantime, I loved writing about TV. I loved writing fiction. I did my sketch comedy, other things. And the important thing to me is like, I just wrote it and put it up there like i loved i was in love with the av club's tv recaps back in the day and it wasn't necessarily my goal to write for the av club but it, i i love the way they did it and i wanted to kind of figure it out so i had a tumblr blog i just started doing recaps of tv on my tumblr blog because i liked watching tv and i liked writing about it and at that point i didn't know what i was doing but there was no pressure there. It was just all me, myself, putting it up there. And then ultimately, when I did have a chance to do jobs, I was able to send it to people and say, hey, I have these professional credits. They're not applicable to this TV journalism job. But here are these other things you can take a look at so at least you know that I know the format. So I did mm -hmm. both of those things at the same time. But I assume Martin's asking about fiction. I think the same thing is applicable. Like... You know, this advice is always given by professional writers. Don't call yourself an amateur writer. Call yourself a writer. You know, just you are a writer if you're writing stuff. And this gets to the second part. I know I'm going on for a while here, but one of the biggest lessons that I used to teach my sketch comedy classes is if you have no idea what to write, start writing anyway. Because I believe very firmly your brain is working against you a lot of the time. It's stopping you from doing things. And what you got to do is work past not that writer's block, but that brain that's blocking you. So when I was writing a sketch, what I always found helped, when I had no idea what I was going to write for a sketch for my comedy group, I would sit down at a Starbucks and I would literally start writing, man is in Starbucks, doesn't know what he's writing as a sketch comedy sketch. <laughs> and just try to write something in the format that I knew. And it was like pulling fingernails while I was writing it. But invariably, about halfway through that, what I would do is I would have another idea. And mm. instead of going off to that other idea, I would just jot it down on the margin so I don't forget it. And I would finish the thing that I was currently writing. And the important part about that is then you are tricking your, not tricking your brain, but training your brain into being like, okay, I wrote this terrible thing, but here's how you do something and here's how you finish it. Even if it's an abrupt ending, even if it's like doesn't work and it's bad, then you write that second idea. That second idea is probably also going to be pretty bad. But invariably, I found halfway through that, I had another idea. Again, I would jot it down on the margin and then write through, finish the other thing. So I was still training my brain to actually finish the thing. So by the time I got to the third thing, not only was I warmed up in terms of the writing, not only had I worked past those blocks, but I let myself know, okay, I know how to finish the thing because it's very easy 
to stop something halfway through and not finish it. So that that's my big advice there. Those two things is one, just write whatever and don't worry about it too much. And two, trick your brain into allowing yourself to write because there's too many excuses. I don't have the right pencils. I don't have, right. you know, my the right software on my computer. None of that is true. In order to write, all you need to do is just write. And if it's bad, that's okay because the large majority of stuff you're going to write is going to be bad. Like right. abjectly, objectively bad. And that's okay because everybody is like that. So just work past it. You know, it's funny. This is like everything you said can be applied to YouTube. So I, like I said, I don't have any experience writing, but I've been creating YouTube videos for the last year. And I noticed it was a lot of those things. You just got to press record. You just got to start talking into the camera. You just got to, uh, all these things. And once with experience and with time, you start to get more comfortable in front of the camera. You start to have better ideas. And even I noticed with my shorts, my YouTube shorts that I've been doing, I go back and look at the stuff I was doing a year ago mm -hmm. and I was like, man, I was, I was that bad. And then I look at myself today. I was like, man, I'm way better. Even though I, I still think I'm bad today. It's like, man, <laughs> a, a year ago, I was even worse. So I think it's just with time and with, uh, you know, that the practice makes perfect. The You're going to make bad stuff at the beginning, but you're going to get better, especially if you have a passion for it. And like you said, if you're, if you're doing something that you love and, and just, you have this, uh, something inside of you and it's just going to express outwardly it's it's going to be good if if you keep on doing it so consistency and and just continuing to stick with it is is really the key 100 percent uh absolutely great answer this is from stray bullet eddie favorite news that came out of san diego comic-con this weekend um, this was a interesting one because, of course, because of the strikes, the SAG strike and the WGA strike, which on the show we support unequivocally, just to be 100% clear. They're fighting for the rights, they're fighting for the money and the rights, and they deserve. The studios are wrong. But there was no TV or movie news other than animation that really came out of there. Actually, that's not true. The studios came anyway, and they're like, here you go, here's a bunch of news. No actors or writers are needed for this thing, which made me feel very icky but that's kind of what they did anyway but lots of comic book news as well I, I mean i will say not to jump on you factor because it seemed like you had an answer here but i think my favorite news out of san diego comic-con was seeing all of the comic book creators that i love be like well that was awesome because <laughs> the movie and tv studios weren't here there was actual focus on comic books we had room to breathe we didn't feel like second citizens i loved hearing that that gave me such joy a hundred percent. I'm the same way because for so many years, it just feels like it had been getting bigger and bigger and bigger towards the other things, movies, television, and the comic book side of Comic Con just seemed to be getting smaller and smaller. So this, I think, was a return to form of those uh, those days before the MCU, before a lot of these big time stuff. So I was seeing all the, the feeds and the news things coming out. And I was like, yeah, this is great. This is putting a focus back on comics and comic creators, which um, I think is fantastic. The, the only thing specifically for me, besides uh, Marvel uh, releasing the new Punisher and, and talking about that was the, there was a bunch of invincible stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Adam Eve was getting, uh, you talked about the special that came out. Uh, they dropped that. They talked about season two of invincible coming out. 
and there's a video game coming out for Adam Eve, and so a lot of Invincible stuff in the Invincible world. So I was just loving all that news. That was great. I will throw out there my favorite comic book announcement was Zoe Thorogood, who, if you don't know, is a phenomenal artist. She did Rain, the book that was based on Joe Hill's yes, short story yes, yes, recently. Yes. And uh, oh, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the graphic novel she released last year that just bowled me over. But she is doing a young adult graphic, either graphic novel or series. I think it's a graphic novel, though, set in the world of Hackslash. So it's taking Cassie Hack and bringing her back to high school. Um, and it's just the perfect marriage, I think, of creator and material. So I love Hackslash. I love Zoe Thurgood. I'm very, very excited for that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we got a question for you, Vactor. This is from Kevin. What is the pattern on the sheet billowing behind Vactor? <laughs> it's actually um, a Star Wars. Um, it's Mandalorian and Baby Yoda or Grogu. Oh, okay. Yes. Love it. Nice. Uh, and we got one last one here. This is from Kevin again. What's a musical genre that needs more representation in comics? C classical music. We need more Mozart in comics. No, I don't think. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We, we've we talked a lot about books like Black Metal and Pete Loves. What's the name of the Daniel Warren Johnson book that he talks about incessantly? Oh. Uh, oh my god he's gonna kill me yeah, when he now i'm blanking on it <laughs> he's gonna do have you ever seen the kids in the hall sketch where they're talking about citizen kane and the guy's like what's that movie with the newspaper publisher you know the one and he's like citizen kane he's like no 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 that's not it it's the one with the sled and he says rosebud he's like citizen kane citizen kane murder falcon there we go michael tillman said so anyway um, but there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, I feel like punk and rock and metal, they definitely led themselves very well to comics. But right. what do you think? What's a genre that you would love to see? I think for me, it would be more, I, I'm a huge R&B fan. I love um, hip hop. There, there's, I think they've been getting a lot more voices lately. And uh, a lot of, especially with the creators that are growing up on hip hop and growing up in that uh, medium and that that musical uh, taste in their ear. I think hip hop has been getting a, a lot of love from comics lately. But um, how about jazz? How about some some mm. jazz standards? Let's get some, uh, some. Have you been reading? There's a serious revenge. I don't know why I can't remember any title of anything <laughs> right now. But it is. Oh my god, the guy. <laughs> Jesus, my my memory is terrible right now. Uh, it's oh, deep cuts is the name of it. It oh. is a series. It's all about like jazz and the blues, and each issue is an oversized like forty to sixty page story set in different time periods, focusing on different aspects of it, telling these done in one stories about musicians, and it does lead into jazz and the blues, and it's awesome. Highly recommend oh, you check it man. out. Oh man, I gotta yeah. check this out. They've got connecting covers. <laughs> um yeah this is something i'm i'm gonna add this to my list immediately yeah it's very very cool i've been really blown away by every issue of that uh kevin says yacht rock in here and i'll tell you what i know he's joking <laughs> i'd be into it it would work <laughs> yeah yeah let's do it all right that is it for your audience questions whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, now listen normally we do trivia but uh of course pete is gone so we're gonna skip that instead we are gonna go directly to what you are looking forward to 
that's coming out this week. Factor, what's coming out this week that you're particularly excited about? Well, I am a huge, um, if you can't tell, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. So mm -hmm. anytime there's a new amazing book, I'm all over it. Um, loving the, when the Ed McGinnis issues come out, that's when it's like, oh yeah, I, I can dig <laughs> deep into that. Um, so amazing. I, I'm really looking forward to Mark Miller's nightclub is ending at issue six and I have been enjoying it. Um, I'm, I'm a, also a huge Mark Miller fan. So anything that he puts out in the Miller verse, um, I'm a huge fan of And this nightclub book has been a lot of fun uh, for me, but also I'm a huge Mark Wade fan and mm. he's coming out with Superman, the last days of Lex Luthor um, number one and Brian Hitch is doing the art on that. So those are two of my favorite creators. Uh, you can't can't push me away. Can't keep me away from a Mark Wade book. Yeah, we're going to be reviewing that in our Stack podcast, which comes out Wednesdays at 9 a.m. in the Stack feed, in the Comic Book Club feed. And it it's out today, so I think I could say yes. it's great. I mean, the art's Ooh. amazing, and Mark Wade's Ooh. great, and, you know, it's good stuff. Uh, there's a ton of great stuff that's coming out this week, as usual. I like comics. I will give a shout-out to Berserker Poetry of Madness from Boom Studios, mm -hmm. which is spinning off of the Keanu Reeves Matt Kitt title. This one is by Steve Scrochi, who is doing the art and the writing. And without spoiling too much, it's wild, and it's bloody, <laughs> and it's ridiculous in exactly the way that you want from Berserker and Steve Scrochi. So very excited about that one. Also, a bunch of titles are wrapping up. The Neighbors, which is one of my favorite horror books right now, is its last issue is coming out, and it's been very twisted and weird and interesting. Um, also, Wolverine. It, Pete's hated this run. Justin and I have absolutely <laughs> loved it. It's pitted an army of Wolverines against an army of beasts, and it's really... Yeah. Very messed up uh, and very cool. So looking oh, forward man. to that. Uh, and one of my favorite titles of the year, honestly, like I know that sounds like hyperbole, but really the seasons have teeth from Boom Studios, which is about these anthropomorphized seasons, the guy who's trying to take pictures of them um, as he travels around the country and around Europe. Um, it's really deep, really interesting, and the art is absolutely gorgeous. So highly recommend those. Uh, and before we wrap up here, though, Vactor, what would you like to plug? What would you like to plug on your end? Where should people check you out? Yes, you can check me out on all of the social media platforms. I'm on threads. I'm on Instagram, uh, TikTok. But YouTube is my bread and butter, youtube.com slash Vactor. That's where I'm putting out, like I was saying, shorts. I'm trying to do five days a week and take the weekends off and uh, do different character profiles and more Star Wars content. We got the Ahsoka show coming up, so I'm going to be putting out some stuff leading up to the show and then once the show is out. So um, very excited about that. But then also each week I'm trying to get comic book content creators on and share their stories and their canon events. So all of that Love is it. at youtube.com slash Vactor. Awesome. Vactor, thank you so much for subbing in today. It was an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you again. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. Anytime I will always return because I love the comic book club. Uh, I love it. Thank you. And uh, for all of you out there, a couple of things before we go. We want to thank Scott Hoffman for coming on. Don't forget to check out Nostalgia from Comixology. Next week, we're going to have a big show here. Jamie Rutante and Vin Lavallo from Archie Comics are going to be here to talk about all the great stuff they've been doing. Also, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan are going to be here to talk about their new book, Kill Your Darlings. You can check out Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast. Weekly, we've been doing a couple of news podcasts. We're going to try to 
to do more required reading episodes as well where we dive into books that our dad james gunn has recommended also marvel vision our marvel podcast we're going to be wrapping up secret invasion this week everybody's favorite tv show so check that out riverdale after dark our riverdale podcast is coming out after the episodes we've got just a couple left folks so check it out very exciting that show is wrapping up patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the shows we do you can subscribe on apple android spotify not stitcher anymore don't subscribe <laughs> on stitcher switch to something else or otherwise the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on instagram comic book club live on tiktok comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night 